Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this podcast is your guide to start creating a lifestyle by design. From entrepreneurship, money and finance, taxes and residencies, and everything in between, this show highlights the nuances of a true global citizen lifestyle. Let's dive in. Jake, welcome to the show, and I would love to hear more about you, your story, where you started, and how you got to where you are today. I think it's a lot easier than a lot of people think. It's kind of an open mind, and I think that's kind of where it started for me. Really, to tell the story properly, I think I would have to go back all the way to high school. I, I grew up in Seattle. All my summers were spent playing baseball. The summer before my senior year, someone came in and said, hey, you know, this summer we're running a, an exchange program between here and place Spain. I was like, okay, that'd be cool because I like Spanish. I want to keep speaking it and get better at it. So I went out there, lived in this town in, in Northern Spain with a family. I really loved it. I loved being abroad. I loved the people, I loved the food, I loved the weather. The lifestyle was just so much different. And from there, just coincidentally, that program later in my senior year said, hey, if you want to spend more time in Spain, there are college programs where you can get an American degree and do your undergrad. So I applied to St. Louis University of Madrid, which is affiliated, same degree as St. Louis University in St. Louis, which is a good school in the States. And it was cheaper. Similar to you, I came back after graduation. I was working like this corporate job and recruiting for tech companies in Seattle. And you just kind of quit. And a friend of mine from Madrid, I had been following her on Facebook and she's in like Tanzania and Malaysia and South Africa and Barbados. And I was just like, hey, what do you do? How come you're all over the place? She said, oh, well, I, I work for this company out in Madrid. She's like, we're actually having interviews in Madrid. I can recommend you and you see what happens. So I was like, all right, I have nothing else going on. So I hopped on a flight, went over there. It was like a four-day interview process. I did pretty well. And they're like, okay, you're going to Tanzania next week. I was like, okay. Luckily, I was confident and I packed a suitcase because my friend Tiffany told me, like, if you get the job, they're going to want you to go immediately. I'm just going to pack as if going. Yeah, to wherever, probably a tropical destination. And so next week, I found myself in Tanzania. And I was there for four months and it was, it was a wild experience. I had never been to Africa, not even Northern Africa when I was in Spain. And from there, spent almost a year in South Africa, which was amazing. And then back to Spain, taught there. And then teaching English is cool. It's, it's a fun lifestyle, especially in Madrid. You don't need a lot of money and you just party and you know, meet a lot of people. But you know, but at that time I'd spent about seven years in Madrid. So I, I thought it was time to move on. I got a job in Chicago. I lived there for five years. Because I spoke Spanish, I applied to this job where it was with a consulting firm, a research firm, and they handled their clients in Latin America from Chicago. So in Latin America, I mean, as, as you know, cause you spent a lot of time here, a lot of business is done face-to-face. You need to build that, that trust with your clients. So it's not. Like the States, Canada, there's a little bit, it's a little bit easier to just do it on the phone and like, it's a lot more transactional. Whereas here, it's a lot more relationship-based. 
And so that exposed me to coming to Mexico because I was spending probably weeks here every month. So I got exposed. I was like, man, Mexico is actually a really cool place. It's like Mexico City. It, it feels like a mesh of New York and like Paris or Madrid or something like that. It has everything. It's connected. It's got very cosmopolitan. And, and this was probably like, what, 2019? I was like, I think that I can construct my own remote work setup. And, and, and so I quit that job and tried to get into like more remote-based work, digital marketing. And then 2020 came. And then, uh, yeah, that just kind of fast-tracked the whole remote work phenomenon. So I ended 2020, I came to Mexico and I've settled in Guadalajara. Been here for about two and a half years. I go back to Seattle quite a bit. There's direct flights. So that's kind of the, the selling point. So when you're in Mexico, you can go back to the States pretty easily. And it's a good hub, it sounds like, to get back there. Is it pretty easy for you to get to any other place that you want to travel? I don't know what the flight plans are like in Guadalajara, but I know in Mexico City, there's quite a bit, but I know it's a little bit further yeah. from Mexico City. So is it pretty easy to live a digital nomad lifestyle? For me, yeah. I'm big on researching, planning, and executing. That's kind of the mantra I've lived by the last few years. With this setup I have, it, I'm not... My first year in Mexico, I went around and I spent like a few weeks in different places to see yeah, how the cities compare before finally coming back here and, and be like, okay, this is where I'm going to set up my home base. One of the selling points talking about flights, a lot of my business is done in Seattle and Chicago. And so there are direct flights to both cities that could fly on the budget airlines. I don't really need to see clients, but I, I do make it a point like once a quarter or maybe twice a year to go and make the rounds and then also to go and meet other entrepreneurs because I sort of, I target right now businesses that are sort of small, medium size, probably gross around two to eight or $10 million a year. So those entrepreneurs are on the ground a lot, I find, especially Chicago. So I'll go to a lot of networking meetings, industry, beaches, functions, and just kind of schmooze. Like that's what living or working Latin America taught the power of schmoozing for business and try to build relationships and eventually secure contracts. For my needs, for my travel needs, it's perfect. For doing stuff that's a little more international, like for example, some friends wanted to go back to Madrid at end of the month. And it, it's a little tricky from Guadalajara. It's a little expensive to get a direct flight. Uh, Mexico City is my least favorite airport in the world. I hate it. So I try to avoid it. So if I do need to travel internationally somewhere that I can't really get to easily from Guadalajara, I'll go to PV or go to Cancun and spend the night in a cheap hotel and then fly out the next day. It's funny you say that about Cancun because it is a very well-connected airport, but it was, it's the one airport out of everywhere I've traveled that stands out to me for just being horrible because the Wi-Fi never worked. Yeah. <laughs> and I had work to do and my partner did. And I'm trying to go on my computer and my phone and this stupid Wi-Fi. And so, yeah, that's the one airport. Because you would think Cancun would be such a great Wi-Fi. No, it, it wasn't. I mean, you, I t you just reminded me of my experience in Cancun. I was trying to work and like go to a meeting. Like they know I'm traveling, but and they know this is my life. It's always a bad look when you it's like, dude, this is your lifestyle and you can't find internet in the airport. And all the lounges were booked up. And I was like, 
That's another thing too about the Cancun airport. Like everyone's there on vacation, so they go to the lounge and those fill up. Yeah, so I actually, I hear you. I hear you on that. I'm glad I'm not alone in that struggle. So I definitely want to talk about the business side of things. But before we go in that direction, I would love to stay on the topic of being a digital nomad a little bit more. What are some of your biggest lessons or takeaways that you've learned throughout your years of traveling, being a digital nomad, living in Mexico, throughout your journey? Great question. Well, let's like start with the most recent, right? Mexico, I think, especially coming from Chicago, you know, I'm sure Canada is quite similar. Cold. So if you are leaving the house, you can't just like dilly-dally on some. I'll get a coffee and like maybe I'll meet up with Charlene's for lunch or whatever. No, I'm going to the office and then I'm going to Chipotle for lunch and then back. You know, everything is very planned out and like planned out weeks in it. And so I got to Mexico and started meeting some people there. They, like so many times people were like, hey, we're going to the beach. You coming? So I, yeah, I guess. Like, where are we going? Like next week? No, we're going now. I'm in the car, picked you up in 30 minutes. Let's go. It shows that it's kind of, you have to leave your open a little bit. So trying to get that back, leaving some room for flexibility. Because I think if you go to a lot of these countries, that's part of the lifestyle. Like traffic is a bitch. Things aren't always going to work the way you're used to in the US or the UK or wherever. People are very spontaneous. So you kind of have to, Leave yourself open to that spontaneity. I think when you spend time abroad, you learn that the world isn't going to adjust to you. You have to adjust to wherever you're at. That's something a lot of people, when they travel, they go on vacation, they, they still think that, oh, well, you know, the waiters are going to speak English or they should, or they should accept dollars or something, you know, some wild stuff. But I think that would be the biggest thing that I picked up living abroad all the time. It's funny when you are saying that because my partner, like I mentioned, is Mexican and I'm obviously Canadian. And so I can see exactly what you just described, whereas I can be very structured and like, OK, what time is this happening? Whereas he's like, oh, we're having a party tonight. Everyone's coming over. Yep. And it's such like the, I guess, Latin American way, not only Mexican. But yeah, I can totally see what you mean there. But I love it. It is experiencing a different culture. And I'm not in my home country. And I know I probably am not going to be forever for an extended period of time. So it does really look like having to adapt and knowing the culture or at least being open to adapting and learning the culture that you're in and how things look sometimes completely different than what you're used to. Let's talk about your how you make money on the road. And you're living in Mexico. You have lived in various different places. So how do you make money? And what did the journey to building something for yourself look like? So what did the journey look like? I came here with just like one freelance job that wasn't paying me a whole lot. And I had some money saved up. And part of the reason why I came down here is that I didn't know what it would force me to put myself out there. I was hoping with spurs and creative juices. And then also just give me the less distractions. I'm living in Chicago, I have a bunch of friends, a city with a lot going on. There's a lot to do. There's always an excuse for well, which can be distracting if you're you know, trying to, if you're like me, like I, I need to like, cut a hone in and get multi-talent very well. And then it gave me time to really dive deep into search engine optimization, which is the sect of digital marketing I focus on. And started network around and started sending my resume out. I got an in-house job working with 
real estate firm in, in Chicago. And that was great. Worked with them for two years. Sort of let the freelance fall to the side because, you know, I'm in Mexico. It's sunny. I want to not work so much and my money's good. You know, it's consistent and it's enough. But then recently we, you know, seen a lot of tech companies start laying people off, a lot of companies downsizing. And that's what happened at the end of last year. And that kind of put you back in the survival mode. And luckily I sort of started to read the tea leaves and start anticipating last summer, 2022, maybe this company is, is going to be a victim of that. So I started looking for other opportunities, freelance opportunities. And that's kind of where my time in Chicago came into play. I had jobs there before I left where I was working with a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, and I built a network. And one of the things that from the pandemic is it's made a lot of business owners realize the importance of digital marketing and, and like really enhancing their presence online. So a buddy of mine got this window washing company said, Hey, you know, I want you to help me get my SEO in order. So that's where it started. And it, I met a web developer on that project who has put me in touch with various jobs, mostly in the Midwest and LinkedIn as well. LinkedIn has been a powerful tool. I've met a couple of clients off that in Seattle and Chicago. It's a combination of networking and LinkedIn. I, I can't say I have a strategy I can share with LinkedIn other than I, I try to interact with people here and there and, and I just kind of get a conversation going and it's maybe it's goes against what you would think is sort of build the relationship first. Don't ask for anything. At least with me, I meet people, meet business owners that are doing really well. I just talk about what I'm doing and talk about what I'm doing confidently and where I want to go. They can see, you know, does that align with what I need with where I want to go? Do I want to collaborate with this guy and try to put yourself in those spaces? Because when you're in the same space as like, let's say a wealthy business owner, you know, or the CEO, they see you in the same circle. Like, oh, okay. This guy, there's something about this guy that's put him in my circle. Right. I think that what you just said really plays into what I like to kind of think of in my business is just being authentic. And authentic usually doesn't look like going up to somebody or messaging somebody cold and saying, hey, I have something amazing. You need to buy it. <laughs> There's no authenticity in that. But I like that you mentioned LinkedIn because I think it's such a powerful social media platform that can often get overlooked but is great yeah. for social, somewhat casual connection, but also, of course, professional connection. I just had somebody on the podcast recording like yesterday, and we were talking all about LinkedIn. She ran her whole business off of LinkedIn and strategies and techniques. So I think there's a lot more to it than a lot of people think. It's pretty mm -hmm. overlooked. But talk to me about SEO. So SEO, what is it? And within saying, what is it? What does your day-to-day -day look like? SEO, I really like it. I've been able to nerd out on finally something I'll apply myself in professionally. SEO, essentially, it's, it's, you know, tactics that you can employ on your website that help you know, various pages of your site rise to the top of Google. First page, top five, top three, top spot. Especially with like a lot of my clients who are entrepreneurs. They're good at what they do. They're good at their service. And they hear the word SEO and they just say, well, you know, I got to get number one for the most common and com and consequently competitive search term in my industry. Like if I'm, I work with a lot of uh, people in travel, 
So it's like, okay, I want to rank for best destination in the United States. I guess that seems like something that you would want to rank for. CEO can come in and do the research and pick out other search terms that are applicable to your, to your business and then create a strategy to create content that targets that search term and uh, helps you get seen on Google for that. And then funnels traffic to your site and your money pages into where you want people to click on so that they eventually convert to a lead or a customer or whatever it is. Be sort of technical or you work with like HTML and some other more technical parts and be more content-based and you're working a lot more with keywords and titles and and the copy and the images and stuff like that. If you're a business owner out there, they'll focus a lot on the copy and the words, but they'll often overlook images. Images are totally necessary and a great way to separate yourself from your competition online. So images, they provide a couple of unique opportunities, even with keywords. So first off, Google wants to see images and wants to see videos and wants to see different types of media because you know it, it crawls your site and the more different types of media you give it to crawl you don't want it to work harder but you just kind of want to give it more information so it can get a better idea of what this page is about right and so if you do images you can put in alt text and you can put in relevant keywords into the alt text that describe what the image is about. And this is important because Google is making a push towards accessibility. So they want to show websites and web pages that have shown an effort to make themselves more accessible to all sorts of users. So alt text is geared towards people that are blind or visually impaired because they'll have a software that once they get on your page, It'll read out images, it'll read out the text to them and give them an idea of what the page is about. So Google likes that. When I start working on a project with a client, that's probably 99 times out of 100, they haven't done anything with alt text or they've done it incorrectly. And then we go back and we revise that and boom, they go from the second page to the first page, you know, right away. In talking about SEO, I would love your take on, I'm sure many people have asked you this, so apologies in advance, but Google, and is it going to stay relevant? What's the future going to look like with a certain technology called ChatGPT? I and ChatGPT in particular, it's just something that people are going to have to learn and get used to. I think it can be leveraged effectively. And that's not to say that it's 100% positive. It is a threat. What is SEO going to look like? The way I look at it, business and any service you offer, it's really about saving your client time. You know, they have the money, right? Because they've been selling their service. But now they, they need something so they can grow their business. But they can't grow their time, right? Time is fine. So that's when they look for people like you and I, digital marketers or accountants or whatever, to take care of parts of their, the growth of their business so they can focus on what they're good at. I think there will still be a market for digital marketers and, and SEOs. It, and the thing with SEO is it's always changing. There's always algorithm updates. There's always new trends as far as what Google wants to see, what search engines want to see. So you're always 
constantly having to educate yourself anyway. Is there anything that we have not touched on that you would like to mention, whether it be from a digital nomad travel perspective or from a business entrepreneurial standpoint? You mentioned you and your partner. Maybe this is getting personal, but I've dated around in Mexico and abroad and had some success, not some success, but I'm always interested to hear, like, what has your experience been like? Has it been tough? Like, how did you meet your partner? What would be your advice as far as relationships in general? Yeah, that's a good question. I should throw that one back to you after. So my partner and I, we met in China. So when we both lived there like three years ago, almost, I found from that perspective, I'm sure maybe you have found the same. So I'd be interested to hear your side. But uh, trying to get to know each other stage was very different because coming from him coming from a Mexican cultural perspective it was very like he would buy me flowers and he would call me every day and it was like very kind of needy and I've seen videos that he showed me on Facebook and whatnot of how Mexicans like courting is that the right word that sounds so old I don't know if there's like a modern word for that but their process of doing it is like standing outside the girl's window with a mariachi band and flowers. And for me, that's just super awkward. I mean, maybe that's like for some people and obviously not for every single person in Mexico. But I think that's kind of the traditional way to do it. Whereas for me in my culture, it's just like, hey, let's meet up and go out for lunch or whatever, you know, very casual. So I found the cultural differences in that at the very beginning was a, a shock to me, like culture shock, dating edition. I don't know. I know I've never, because we've been together for quite a while throughout our nomad journey. So I've never had to meet other nomads, but I know that it can be really difficult if you're living this very specific lifestyle, especially if you're traveling a lot and maybe every month or two, you're in a different country. It can be not an easy time to find somebody who you who understands the lifestyle and who lives a similar lifestyle, but who you also just get along with as a person. I know that there are some websites. I know one is Nomad's Soulmate, and there's a few other ones like that where you can connect with other people. That was kind of like my experience. But now, of course, we've been together for so long that the cultural things are pretty worked out. Although when I went to Mexico and met his family, that was a whole different culture shock. <laughs> I would love to hear your experience and what that has looked like for you. I think a lot of people probably... They automatically go to the apps and, you know, I, I, I stay away from those trying to meet people out in the wild naturally as an, as a nomad and kind of freelancer or entrepreneur that kind of gives you a natural in with meeting people. Like, you know, I have a WeWork membership, so I'll meet a lot of people there. They have certain events throughout the year. They go and kind of mingle with the people that you're working next to and get to know. So that's been one way and then you know, meet up is a great site i met a lot of good friends there i just got out of a relationship so i met her also at a meetup also very similar it's odd that you telling the story with the mariachis and the path and eating this i'm kind of it's the same thing for me yeah it's it, in the states it's the same like, hey let's go out and have drinks and like very i don't know not then attachment comes way later it's not really implied at the very beginning, as builds up towards. And, and I guess I'd never really uh, put that together until you just mentioned it. That might be something I take away from this uh, as I continue my life's down here is to uh, look for a mariachi on the higher or just kind of demonstrate affection a little bit more from the outset rather than trying to 
you know, guys were always trying to play it cool. Probably women are the same in the US and Canada. So yeah, you gotta play it cool. You can't be too interested. Otherwise you're gonna scare them off. I'm curious in you saying that, how important is it for you as a nomad, a traveler who runs a business, who's entrepreneurial, how important is it for you to find a partner who is also entrepreneurial, who you can talk business things about? Because I know for me, that was huge for me. I wanted somebody who was on the same level as me, but I'm curious what that looks like for you. That's a good question. I, I mean, I don't think talking about it, I never really had that. It would be nice. It would be nice to have a girlfriend or, or whomever that's by your side that I can talk to about work things. I guess when I was teaching English, my girlfriend at the time also was teaching English. So something that was kind of a strain in my relationship was the fact that I traveled. Nothing I do other than my day-to-day -day life, groceries and stuff like that, her were in Mexico. My family is all in the U.S. All my friends are spread out through Europe. My best friends anyway. And then, you know, even work is on the other side of the border. So... You know, I have to travel a lot. And, and that was something, especially for people that are maybe in their mid-20s or anyone in their 20s, you know, past three years, remote work has been the standard. And so if they're just coming into the workforce or they're just getting their first real job, if they don't really understand that there's a lot of things that are better done face-to-face, -face, and so there's a lot of value. That was the thing. He's like, why do you have to travel? Why do you have to go to Chicago for a week? Why do you have to go to Seattle? And so he's like, what are you doing? And they just like mistrust. Like, no, I am literally doing all the work I have to do normally. Finance, check out my books. And then at five o'clock, yeah, it sounds kind of fun. I'm going to networking happy hours and dinner meetings and things like that. But it's all business related. I have no time to, to mess around. And so... And, and so I think that that gets lost is people think, oh, well, you, you're traveling for work. You're going out, like doing crazy stuff and you're traveling, like, you know, you're going on a vacation, but it's not. And so I think that's, I think that's something in this lifestyle. If you start a relationship with someone, it's important that they're able to travel and maybe come with you on some of those business trips. There's two things I wanted to touch on really quickly in that. And the first is it's. So I'm Canadian. I'm not American. My partner is Mexican, but I have an American business. And so I know at some point I'm going to have to go there for banking and whatnot. And I want my partner to come with me. We travel everywhere, together, but it's the freaking visa process. And I don't know, maybe you experience the same with your partner, your ex, when they couldn't come with you when normally maybe they'd be like, okay, let me just hop on a flight and go wherever for the weekend or the week. But it's really annoying. It's kind of difficult. And it's a little bit crazy to me because like my partner doesn't want to live in the States. I don't want to live in the States. I don't want to live in Canada. That's of no interest to me. But also on that note, I think the culture again is so different. When I started dating my partner, he wasn't mistrusting, but I think the, and this is going to be like maybe a bit of a hot take. Of course, people are, there's infidelity and like cheating everywhere in the world. But I find in Latin America, I think it's a little bit more prevalent for both women and men. It's very common, I would say. Maybe a little more so common than normalized common. Like, I don't know what the best word is. Like, that's not my culture. So I will say, but having conversations with my partner, it's interesting because I think they are a little bit more mistrusting of anybody, whether you're from Mexico or South America or otherwise. And when we started dating, my partner was 
a little bit more suspicious. Of course, now like he knows me completely. But at the time it was kind of like, oh, you have to go away for the weekend. Like, what are you doing? Because the culture there is a little bit more infidelity than what we would be used to in a Canada or America. I had a very similar experience. Kind of wears on a relationship when there's a lot to come over or get over. But I never really thought about, oh, well, yeah, maybe that's a little more prevalent here. For someone that's not used to that, maybe, or all these quick trips to kind of grasp that, oh, okay, this is just what it is. It's just like a, a business transaction. It's just a function. Like I remember when I was growing up, my dad, you know, he would travel and it, it was kind of nothing. And it was very business-based. And I think now you have travel. Not that people back in the 90s or when I was growing up didn't travel for fun. But I remember my aunts and uncles who were in their 20s and stuff. I never really heard about going to Miami. Now maybe with all these budget airlines, that's made travel so much more accessible, which is great. I think Latin America too, maybe, and I could be wrong, but, and maybe I'm just going to the Philippines a little too much. Like with the Philippines, kind of a similar stage of development of the country, leisure travel for young people hasn't really been accessible until recently. So the paradigm is that travel is like all about slime and leisure when really it's it been very business-based. And now, up until 2020, Travel companies and airlines, hotels, they could give a shit about the leisure traveler. They were all about business travelers because they spend more. They stay in nicer hotels. They fly first class. They buy more stuff and they travel more often. But now that's been wiped out. So everyone kind of thinks that it's, oh, it's just about going to Cancun and, you know, sipping my times on the beach. You still do business on. <laughs> well, this has been a really interesting conversation about digital nomad, entrepreneurship, dating. It's been really interesting speaking to you from both of us having a Western perspective, but also a different perspective as well. So I've really appreciated this conversation. Where can people find you online? Find me on LinkedIn. I'm a digital marketer, but keep my social media presence kind of minimal, which is kind of maybe expected. But yeah, just find me on LinkedIn, Jake Shario. I love to talk about different projects or give pointers, advice to anyone's totally non-committal. I love just kind of talking about SEO and whatever business someone might be into. You've just listened to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials. And of course, be sure to tag me. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me on this global citizen journey, and I'll see you in the next episode.